a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome in to the It's Utah's World podcast. Tom Hackett alongside my good friend Steve Bartle with you guys every week. Thank you for tuning in. My goodness, Steve. 1207 South Main Street. Nate Wade Subaru is its name. Salt Lake City is its location. I'm just telling you, uh, we are on the brink of winter. So just please, please, please go down there. Check them out. If you don't want to go, check them out in person. Check them out online, natewadesubaru.com. For more information, they've got plenty of deals. They're really friendly too, which is, uh, well, in my opinion, the best part out of all of it. And Steve knows he's been there multiple times with me. Yeah. Um, All right, Steve. So we've got a pretty fun show I think, anyway, look, we're, we're, we're hopeful Utah's going to get to play an actual game this year. They're the last yeah. FBS team that has that has games scheduled to see the field in 2020. So it's like a, they're like the, that's like 120 something other teams that have played before them. So quite remarkable. Um, obviously, Arizona, UCLA both got cancelled due to outbreaks within the Utah program. Uh, USC is scheduled to come to Rice Eccles Stadium, 8.30 kick on Saturday. What would it be? The 21st would be Saturday. So here are are a couple of things. And I I do want to kind of go through uh, just some of the numbers when it comes to um, kind of USC statistics, some of the players to look out for. I think a lot of Utah fans already know, but it it is worth doing a a bit more of a deep dive into – into where USC is going to cause Utah problems. But I do want to talk about just a few things I've heard <clears throat> from the Utah program, from a handful of individuals. Um, so I'm mm-hmm. hearing, Steve, the big, the big news really is that apparently, this is Wednesday, by the way, it is Wednesday, November 18th, 4.08 p.m. in the afternoon, Um that California state officials have still not cleared USC to come to Utah, to come to Salt Lake City, Utah. So, um, so that that's kind of that's mm. kind of what I'm hearing. And and look, that doesn't mean that the game's not going to be played. Uh, and I don't want Utah fans right. to freak out. But but I'm just I, I'm just reporting on kind of some of the the rumblings that uh, some of my people are talking about and. Uh, I, I don't know if I don't know if that's concerning or if this is um, I don't know if this is kind of normal procedure for California state officials. I, I have no idea, but it is Wednesday and the game is scheduled to be played in just a handful of handful of days, really three days now. Um, yeah. And USC is still is still as of right now, not coming, but. But I don't know if that's going to change. So Utah's a dirty place. Man, Steve. That's crazy. Utah's yeah, a dirty, that's, uh, dirty place. That's uh, that's some news there, Tom. That's a a hammer you just dropped on all of us. And and hopefully, like you said, hopefully, like it's not it's not a done deal. Like we don't know right. exactly what's going on and, and and that kind of thing. But the fact that you know L.A. County is so involved with this, like it's not a good thing. Uh, it's, uh, definitely not encouraging when, when you're talking about, you know, the fact that Utah specifically Salt Lake County, um, you know, there are a lot of cases. There's a lot of concern over COVID-19 and, uh, it sounds like the, the problem is not going away anytime soon. Just, you know, not only cases and that kind of thing, but the, the concern from California and, 
the uh, the local government there about sending their own to to Utah to play Utah, whatever it is. Uh, man, that's uh, that is a wild, wild factor in all of this, man. It just seems like once once Utah and obviously. You know, Harlan has talked about Harlan has talked about it. Whittingham has talked about it. The team's trending in the right way. They're getting guys back from, um, you know, from their quarantine, from uh, their their time in isolation for those that have had positive tests. So the team itself is trending in the right way. Uh, but it sounds like there are still more hurdles to overcome in order for this game to be played this weekend. Yeah. So just um, I. I- I did some quick Googling. Um, <clears throat> I, I, the power of Google. The power of Google. We love it. So, okay. So they, um, California's, I mean, all things considered, right? They've, they've actually done an okay job when it comes to COVID-19 cases in the state. So uh, to refresh everybody in 2019, according to Google, there was 39.51 million people living in California. Let's just round that up for argument's sake and go 40 million people live in California. Utah's like uh, 3,000, I think. Let me do quick Google. Yeah, 3.2. Call it three. Um, So we're we're talking about a state with 40 compared to a state with three. Utah today on Wednesday um, uh, has, uh, I think they, they announced, 3,000 cases today. California is hovering around like yeah. 8,000. Eight, so today, November, well, November 17th, which would have been yesterday, they had 8,591. Um, so they're, they're like, like they're doing pretty well considering how many people they have yeah. in that state. How many people, yeah, the population. <clears throat> right. And just, yeah, how bad it is here in Utah. I mean, I, I don't think people realize people living in Utah, like, like this is um, this is bad. You know, we we don't have that that many people here. Um, right. We have a lot of cases. Like like people are looking at Salt Lake City, Utah, going, "Oh, geez, I that place is dirty." You know, like we don't want to go there. You know, um, and that's kind of what's happening. So I, I also think what what else I heard was California, and I don't know if I haven't really done a ton of um, background. Uh, research on this but i think they're thinking about you know if you travel into the state of california there's a chance that um in the future in the not so distant future you're going to be required to quarantine for 14 days in a hotel uh which is something my home my my country australia is doing um if i were to go home and in fact many countries now around the world uh implementing this new rule um my brother just traveled to Singapore and they've got, they've got something cool. They've got the virus under control. This is kind of off topic, but just thought I'd share it. So what they've done is he took a COVID, he was required to take his COVID-19 test prior to departing. Um, and then he took on when he got there uh, and, 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 and he passed both of them. And so he only had to quarantine for uh, I think it was 24 hours. It might've been 48 hours, but it was mm. minimal, very minimal, um, you know, two days at most. So I, I do hope the world that's where the world is going, I hope. Um, but maybe we'll right. have a vaccine before we get to any of that anyway. But <clears throat> my point is there are still a lot of places, Australia, uh, I know a lot of the, um, the, the South Pacific Islands, um, they're requiring, requiring this two-week quarantine period. I've heard maybe California does the same thing. I don't know. And I think that's kind of why the hesitation from local California state officials is when it comes to sending USC to Utah, Utah, when you look at kind of how many cases they have per the 3 million people that live here, it's, it's quite substantial in comparison to the 8,500 they have and the 40 million people they have there. So um, I, I look, I'm, I'm optimistic, Steve, I'm, I'm going to remain optimistic, but let me tell you if, if, California's state officials decide that USC is not going to come to Utah because Utah has too many cases, then that would be a wake-up call for the ages. For the ages. Yeah. Yeah. No, for real. Yeah. I mean, we've already lost two games. And the fact that, you know, the Utah team itself is doing well, uh, you know, and, and they're starting to get their numbers under control and, and get guys 
in good health. Not that they were in bad health, but obviously, you know, <laughs> you got to go through a quarantine to go through that and then to potentially still not have a game because of the issues in the community. Like, man, that is the ultimate just wake up call, kicking the nuts, as Ooh. some would like to say. Just a, a massive lucky faux two size shoe uh, to the nuts. There, that would that would be uh, that would be quite painful to lose that game. Um, with everything pointing in the right direction, gosh, that would suck. And you know, we can talk a lot about <laughs> California elected officials and and all that, but we don't need to. Like the fact of the matter is, this comes down to you know our our responsibility in the community to. Um, do what we can to limit this thing. And that's what this all boils down to. And, and, you know, we've heard it uh, from Harlan talking about it and, and we could hear just the community aspect of this entire thing is, is a big factor, a bigger factor than, uh, than maybe we've ever realized. And so, uh, man, it's scary. The fact that you brought it up, man, that's, that's scary, man. So, you know, we, uh, we all gotta, we gotta hope for the best. Obviously the team is doing well. Uh, we got to hope for the best and hopefully we can make this happen this weekend. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, it's just, you know, it's, it's a subject that requires a conversation because, you know, if California decides not to allow their teams to come to Utah, you, you just have to imagine. <laughs> what other, a joke. You'd have to imagine other states are going to follow suit and say, yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. Uh, screw them, bugger them. We're not going to deal with it. And next thing you know, Utah's got a four game schedule Man. that involves BYU, Utah State. BYU and yeah. Utah State. Uh, that's that's the four games Utah will play this year. So, um, jeez, who knows? So, oh yeah, man, that, that's the real. That's the bad news. I, I guess that's like as bad as it. I've heard. I've also heard this. Yeah, that's Steven. starting the starting the episode with a punch to the gut, Tom. That's the way to get this thing started. Just uh, I'll just ah! entice the listener. Entice the listener. There's more coming, baby. Uh, so uh, what else have I heard? Okay, so Coach Whittingham earlier this week went on uh, the Coach's Show like he does every week, or maybe this was mm-hmm. uh, in a Zoom call. I, I, I can't quite remember, but he essentially said that the playing group is very eager um, and determined to see the playing field, which you'd imagine, you know, they, they all would be, says that the, the vibe, or I can't remember the exact quote the, the, he used but um he said the overall feel of the of the team is is in a good place which i thought was interesting i have the quote here okay uh we've had an encouraging week so far excellent practice yesterday you might expect that the players spirits be a little down because of the disappointment la- the last couple of weeks but that's not the case well, I have heard otherwise, Steve. Um, in fact, I have heard that the spirits of the playing group is rather poor. Um, and, and, and they're quite disappointed, I think, is, is maybe the, the, the vibe. Sure. Um, <clears throat> simply because of the last two games. So that, I, I thought that was interesting. Uh, now, granted, you have to look at, you know, I'm not trying to throw Coach Witt under the bus by any stretch, but he's a head coach. He's talking to the media. He's always going to try and come across as if the team is great. Everything's happy. Life is good. Life is not good. Nobody, uh, very few people are actually all that happy. And uh, your players uh, probably don't want to be there most days of the week. So um, that's the reality. And yeah, I, I, man. It'd be interesting. I think part of it, too, is uh, Coach Witt obviously very bummed uh, that he hasn't been able to play. Uh, football games the last two weeks um he's got a young team every rep is very important uh so so he hasn't been in the best of moods is is kind of what i've been told and mm-hmm. players um the players feel the same way so yeah it's 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 not all that there's not there's not much sunshine raining down on uh, sure. the utah football facility at the minute uh well, it's definitely i like and it's tough man like i think I think everybody can kind of relate to the feeling, right? Like, you know, once, once it was announced that that UCLA game was, was canceled on Friday, you know, like, man, you could like, you could just feel it on social media, you know, on our side at youthzone.com. Like it was just, everybody was beat down, was deflated, was just kind of really just 
the air taken out of their lawn. Like it was just, just a tough thing. And so you can only imagine what that would be like for the players and for the coaching staff who are working so hard to be prepared and to do what they can to, to make it to game day. And then to have that taken from them, like, yeah, like I've, yeah, hell yeah, they're going to be mad. Hell yeah, they're going to be frustrated. Like, of of course that's going to be the case. That that would be tough not to be. I think that that should be the expectation is that, you know, they should be disappointed. They should be frustrated. And, um, you know, it's 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 definitely tough, man. Like, I can only imagine what, what exactly what they're feeling. Like, it was tough for me. All I do was write about the team. And it was like, well, God. Like, do I even continue writing about the team now until I know for sure, like, they're going to be playing? So, you know, it's tough. And and I think we can all relate to what they're feeling on, on some level. We we don't know the full extent of what they're feeling, and you know, we never will. Maybe you, Tom, because you, you've been there. Well, uh, I was, I was you, gonna... Did you ever play? Oh, geez, it was a long time ago. I can only remember um, small aspects of, of my playing time. But I, I do want to say – because you you kind of triggered my mind for a second. Like we as sports lovers follow um, mm. not just one sport. I imagine most of our listeners, in fact, I imagine all of our listeners for that matter. I don't know a single person out there that's only interested in college football and nothing else. You know, like right. if you if you're into this, if you're into sports, you're probably into a couple of them, <clears throat> some more than others. But you you get the gist. We always talk about um, or the media. You know, people that follow the game, podcasts, radio hosts, who have you, they kind of always talk about, you know, the drive of these professional athletes. Like, uh, and you can generally tell when professional athletes, you know, uh, just kind of over it, you know, over the season or, or, or over the team they're on, you know, they lose interest. And um, those guys are, getting, are making a lot of money, you know, generally speaking, I should right. say, you know, depending on the sport they play, but you know, the, the people that radio hosts, podcasts are all talking about, for the most part, are, are kind of big time but basketball players, football players. College football players don't make money. Like, like they just don't. They make, uh, when I was there, I made $1,300 a month. Um, yeah, part of your stipend, right? And yeah, and that's, that's okay. Like 1300 yeah. I can survive on. I, I, I can right. survive on 1300 I think my, my rent was like 450 uh, I had a phone bill that was like 60 bucks. Um, <clears throat> what else? Uh, I, I, my car was paid off, but I bought, I, I was driving like a 1990 Outback Subaru, you know, it was classic joint. Yeah. I think it was like $3,000. My old man, yeah. when I first moved over here was kind enough to kind of just pay it for me. Cause I, I couldn't yeah. afford three grand at the time. So anyway, my, my point is you can survive off 1300 by no means. Are you splurging? You know, you go out for a night in the town and you got to kind of, be a little selective on the on the on the right. drink that you choose. You know, <laughs> yeah. we're, not, we're not going top shelf over. Yeah, you know, we're going bottom yeah. shelf type. But my point is, right. like, they're not making money though. Like you don't save money. Right. You know, like you are you're generally spending thirteen hundred. Like for example, Isaac Asiad. I lived with Isaac. Isaac gave half of his check to his mother. Yeah, because his mother was working crazy hours in a number of jobs, but just was having a really hard time paying whatever bills she had to pay. In fact, he went to the extent where he gave her his car. So he didn't have a car and he was making Mm. about 700 bucks a month. Uh, And everybody's got their own unique situation. My point is we talk about college athletes like they're pros, but they don't make any money. So where's the motivation? You know, like I, I was yeah. on the team for four years and two of those years, we were five and seven back to back 2012, 2013. And I'm just telling you, like it becomes so dark. Like the facility is such a dark world. It's depressing. Right. And, and it's not like, it's not like you're making X amount of dollars where it's like, you know, this sucks and I just can't stand losing, but at least my bank account is happy. There isn't that. And right. so I feel for the players at the minute who have have gone through really, you know, it's going to be, we're going to be going on six months of training, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And they get, no, I, I think what, like going back to the summer and, and they don't get a play like that's, that's the thing is like, they're putting in all this work and they don't, they don't get to 
to cash in basically on that work. Like that's what those games are. That's what those games mean to them. It's like, it's an opportunity to cash in on the work that they've done throughout the week. And they're not getting those opportunities, you know, like mm. it's tough. I can only imagine what it's like. And, you know, you, you shared your experience during those 2012, 2013 seasons. And yeah, like, man, it's, it's gotta be so difficult um, to go through the grind of waking up at a certain time and now you've got all these tests that you've got to go through, which are tedious and monotonous, but you've got to do them like in order to play. Like now this is part of the deal. Like you've got to go through these tests every single day, sometimes multiple times a day. And so, you know, it's all just got to pile up on these guys and, and, you know, the mental state of this team, you know, I, that's definitely something to monitor and, and talking about the mental health of the team is important and, and making sure that these guys are, are plugged in still and, and still good to go. So it's, man, it's tough time right now. You just hope that these guys are able to take the field just to, and I think that would be such a a big moment for all of these guys to have that moment of taking the field and just kind of getting out there and and letting loose, right? Like just, just having fun. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, and I, I guess part of this spiel of mine is, is I just wish, I, I really just wish uh, a college coach would come out one day and say, you know, the, the team's not doing that well, to be fair. <laughs> you know, like, they yeah. don't make any money. We've been right. training for six months. I'm not happy because I know that the, the games we've lost out on are really invaluable. So I'm kind of letting it out on them. Practice is, we're in pads every day. Winter's just around the corner. Uh, our defense really isn't that good. Uh, and yeah, we're not doing that well. Yeah. I'd like just some transparency would be really, really refreshing because it's just like, 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 here's my problem, Steve is if you were born with a brain, if you heard coach Whittingham saying, going, the spirits of the team is really high. If you were born with a brain, you would, you would listen to that quote, knowing what they've gone through and gone, you're full of bleep. Like in what world is the team doing okay? Seriously, I, in what world? It just bruh. it's like, come on, coach. Like, nah, we're not that. They're dumb, human. Man. We're not yeah, dumb. They're they're human. Like we were all disappointed, and we're fans. Like we're we we cover the team, and we're all disappointed. Like, of course, those guys are disappointed. Of course, they're frustrated. Of course, they're like they're not <laughs> jumping for joy that they get to go to practice again this week without you know, having, having a game to play and to look back on, like, yeah, of course yeah. they're frustrated, man. Like what's wrong with saying that? I, yeah, I look, I, it, it does frustrate me. I tell you, it, it bothers me and it, and it's not just college football. Although I think college yeah. football's emphasized because the players don't make any money. I think, I think you're, you know, a college football program. If you would, if you, if you were to compare like an NFL team to a college football program, both teams have the same record, you know, yeah. like everything's the same. I think you'd look at the NFL team and go, oh, you know, these guys seem a lot happier than the college kids. Well, you know, there's pretty good reason for that. These guys live in mansions, uh, whereas college kids are living, you know, in basements with three other dudes. Yeah, my, you, you get the gist. But anyway, that's yeah. my point. My two cents <laughs> there. So yeah, Utah, Utah football, not the happiest. Um, what what have you been hearing, Steve? What's been going on in your little circle, your peeps? Oh man, what has been going on? A lot of recruiting stuff, a lot yeah, of recruiting news. What's been going on? So obviously, last week Utah picks up the commitment from four star linebacker Ethan Calvert. Yep. Like that was that was a big one. Did we talk about that last week? I can't remember when we recorded. Was it a Friday recording? Uh, I think so. Did yeah, we talked about we, it. We spoke about it. Yeah, Coach Swan. Okay, good. Can we just. Can you quickly, bro? <laughs> dude, he's killing the oh, game. Yeah, bro. He's he's taking it to another level this year. He's he's been on some sort of tear, man. And and it's it's been interesting. So not only just the the type of talent that they brought in, but the sequence in in which the commitments happened, I think, is so important because you know, let's say Ethan Calvert commits early on, right? Does a kid like Trey Reynolds, does he commit to Utah? If if he sees Ethan Calvert there, knowing full well that he's probably going to be the guy, um, you know, does does Veltre Jefferson, does he commit 
you know, knowing that, that Ethan Calvert is there. So it's just kind of interesting how it's all kind of come together. It's come together beautifully for Utah and, and the type of talent, the type of kids that these guys, that these kids are like just their personality types are really good fits with Colton Swan and, and, and just the brand of Utah football. Um, Utah fans should be plenty of plenty excited about this group of linebackers that they're bringing in, in this class. Swanee, I so I was um this morning actually I went up to uh Weber State University. Go Wildcats. Yeah. Uh and I was uh, just checking in uh with Coach Hill, seeing how he was doing. Actually I you know, I'd never seen those facilities before. They're, They're beautiful. nice. Beautiful. Yes, beautiful. Yeah. For a big sky team, that is um about as good as it can get, which is good for Coach Hill and, and those guys in. Um, I don't know why, I, I, I can't remember how this got brought up, but I was like, Swanee, man. I'm like, Swanee's been killing it, Jay. Um, and he's like, no, he's like, yeah, I've heard, you know, nothing but really good things from really yeah. anybody and everybody down in Salt Lake City. And and so they're very pleased with, with Coach Swan. And, and uh, in the summer, this summer, I was playing golf with Swanee and I actually asked him, and I think I might have brought it up, uh, on the podcast, but I asked him, Hey, like when you're recruiting, um, how much time and effort do you put into the parents or yeah. the guardians or, you know, whoever's involved? I remember this. Yes. Okay. So we did, we did speak about this. Good. Yeah. And, and, and anyway, to, to refresh everybody's memories, he kind of said, I actually put a lot of effort into the parents of the kids I'm recruiting. You know, uh, yeah. I, I obviously speak to the kids a ton, but I put, a ton of emphasis onto the parents because I want them to know that the kids are coming to a place that um, they'll feel loved and they'll develop and hopefully grow into men. And, uh, and I said, Oh, that's, that's, that's interesting. That's kind of cool. And I kind of figured that was the case. I said, how many other coaches like, does every coach do that? He said, no, he said, some, some coaches just focus on the kids. And I'm like, well, Mm -hmm. that doesn't seem all that intelligent. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's true. Like a lot of coaches just kind of focus on the kit and Utah. I think they've learned some difficult lessons over the last couple of years, just losing out on kids that they, you know, were recruiting pretty hot heavily. And, and I think they learned, they realized the value of, of adding parents, you know, and, and recruiting parents and having them, you know, working in, in your favor and coach Swan, like he's taken that and he's, He's got such a unique personality, man. Like he's such a fun guy just to sit and chat with because he's so unique. Like mm-hmm. just a unique guy, and I think his personality really, really meshes well with linebackers and just their type of mentality. You know, just that kind of tough cowboy type, like Cody oh, Barton he is type a toughness. Cowboy, yeah, yeah, man. Like he's he's about that. So <laughs> he's. He, he, you know, he connects with linebackers on a, on a really unique level in the yeah. same way that Sharif Shaw connects with, you know, with cornerbacks and, and that type of mentality, like, you know, and, and so it's just very unique personalities and, and Utah hit a home run with him, uh, hiring him a couple of years ago. And, and so, you know, you've got him and, and I'm glad that you brought up the, the parent aspect of this because, you know, Utah's recruiting a, a wide receiver and Makai Cope, um, who's, you know, he's got pretty good offers. Stanford was was on him pretty heavily, and it seemed like it was only a matter of time before, you know, he committed to, to Stanford. But things kind of cooled off there. Utah has just kind of slowly but gradually continued to recruit him and continue to build their case. And And I think Guy Holiday and the offensive staff have made Mama a, a priority in, in this recruitment, and that's kind of been a big help to them. And I think, you know, things have been trending – uh, Utah's way in that recruitment. And so, you know, we'll see. Uh, Greg Biggins recently put in a Utah crystal ball for Makai Cope. Um, I haven't put one in just yet. Uh, there are a few receivers that Utah continues to recruit. So I'm just kind of trying to piece things together right now. But, you know, Utah's doing really well recruiting receivers right now. And, and I expect them to add at least one more before the early signing period next month. And, and uh, you know, depending on, you know, how it goes, they may end up adding another two. So, so we'll see. So things are good uh, yeah. on the recruiting trail. Um, trying to think I was going to go somewhere, somewhere else with that, but That's all right. uh, if, if it comes yeah. to mind, then we'll venture down that road, but, um, but no big deal. Oh, but... 
What? So here's here's what it was. Okay. Uh, so you should tell us class. Like, I put together like when kids are signing and when they plan to enroll. Tom, when you were at Utah, like, do you recall a a, a single rec- like signing class where they had nine guys enroll early at Utah? Nope. So I remember. Um, so the, the my class, Steve, there was. Uh, there, there may have been more, but but tra- Travis Wilson and Chase Hansen both enrolled early, and I remember uh, just the, like the vibe around the team and like the, the talk, especially from some of the senior players. You know, it, it was a big deal. You know, it was like wow, right? Two quarterbacks, because of course Chase Hansen was was a quarterback still. Two quarterbacks, pretty highly touted quarterbacks enrolling early, like like people couldn't believe. Yeah. There are nine this year. Nine this year, and potentially that number can potentially grow um, depending on what happens in the state of California with their high school football. Right. Um, I know that, that the quarterback, Peter Costelli, he's planning to play his senior season, but if if California elects to, to cancel the, the season, um, his plans will bring him to Utah to enroll mid-semester in March. So – uh, Utah currently has nine guys set to enroll early. Um, that's either in January or mid-semester. So Isaac Vaha and Jonah Ellis are two guys that are going to enroll mid-semester in March. So they'll be here for spring ball. Um, and then Peter Costelli is one for sure. I know has has plans ready to go uh, to enroll mid-March if uh, a season in, in California is not going to, to happen. So uh, Utah could have 10, maybe more. Uh, guys wow. enroll early and, and get a, their their first taste of college ball, which would be – I mean, that's just remarkable. To get those types of kids, mm. uh, these are high-level talents, but these are also high-level students um, that are coming in early. And these guys, you know, it's it'll be fun to see these guys, you know, suit up for Utah whenever yeah. they – whenever they get the chance well look i know i know we've talked about it uh in the past but 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 it's what it is worth bringing up again steve if if you are a recruit listening to this podcast if you are a parent of a recruit if you have somebody that is hopeful one day in x amount of years to potentially be recruited by a college team if you can get to the program in the spring Mm -hmm. you will do yourself a world of help um yep and it takes sacrifice you know it's yeah because I remember Travis, uh, obviously good friends with Trav. He he missed out on his senior prom because he was yep. here in Salt Lake City, grinding it out. Springboard. The rest of his friends were partying it up, uh, celebrating their their the conclusion of high school, and he's in another state, getting up yeah. at six a.m., lifting weights. You know, trying everything he can. But I'm just telling you, it's worth it if. Right. If, you, if you're as dedicated as you claim to be, it, it is 100% worth it. Come if you if you're an 18 year old kid coming out of high school trying to play as a freshman, which everybody is by the way, uh, and you show up in the middle of summer with about six weeks left until fall camp, you have no choice. You have no chance. You just don't. Right. Like there are just yeah. very few people that can make that can make that happen. Very few right. people. You have to be an absolute freak of nature to be able to pull that off. So. Um, so Steve and I would both recommend coming in the spring. Yes. Uh, Enroll early if you can. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Uh, all right, Steve. So let's uh, quickly jump ship uh, and yeah. go to this USC Trojans team that we hope to, uh, we hope to see really like, Oh, dude, Man, like, come on. Just give it to us. Come on. Oh my goodness. It's exciting. So uh, I guess we'll start with the quarterback, Keaton Slovis, the, the, the quarterback. I mean, He's a sophomore yeah. now, I I think. Uh, yep, yep. He's really he's good. A sophomore. I, I know he's really good. Uh, he's throwing the the pigskin at about seventy one point four percent. That's his completion mm-hmm. percentage. He's already got about seven hundred yards. Uh, he's three touchdowns, one interception, averaging seven point two yards a toss, and he's got you know what helps. Keaton Slovis is he's got a trio um, of wide receivers who I'm sure will be familiar or at least familiar names to Utah fans. Amon Ra St. Brown, he was there a year ago. Tyler Vaughns was there a year ago. And Drake London, uh, I don't think was there a year ago. He was. Oh, he was. He didn't play much. Yeah, he didn't play much early on. Um, I think there was an injury or something, but he was there last year. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, 
So, but he, they're, they're kind of the three standouts, I, I guess. Yeah. Brew, Brew McCoy, remind me, is Brew McCoy the one that went to USC, then to Texas, then back to USC? Yeah, committed to Texas, committed to USC, committed to Texas, signed with Texas, backed out of it, and but still, they still had to use an initial. Goes to USC, has to sit a year. Uh, just a mess of of uh, of a whole situation, but yeah, he is he is at USC, and man, he's uh, if he, when it clicks for him, like he's gonna be a problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, he I mean he was like five, five, as true five star as five star gets, if I'm right. not mistaken, right? He right, he was really good. So so they've they, look they. So I don't think you like. I'm just gonna go out and say it. I think we've talked about Keaton Slovis and and the three or four wideouts that they have. I don't think Utah wins this game. It's going to be tough, right? Like it's it's going to be extremely tough, just given this group, um, this this passing attack with Keaton Slovis and and their receivers. Like each of these receivers, um, they're gonna they're gonna have the advantage. Like uh, there's there's no no nice way to put it. They're just gonna be better than the guy across from them. But how much better? Um, how much can Utah limit them? Um, I don't think that Utah is going to have the same game plan. Uh, they would be silly to do that, uh, to rely on on that same game plan that they did last year and kind of put some of these guys on an island um, with with these receivers. I think that we'll see more of, uh, you know, BYU had a lot of success with the drop eight coverage um, last year. And, and I think that's kind of – that's proven to be just kind of the approach that you have to take with this USC offense is just kind of keeping everything in front of you and – Make them be patient and make them beat you um, slowly down the field. And and you know Arizona State had a they have a great they had there was a quote during the USC Arizona State game I think it was uh, I can't remember who said it but somebody said ASU just wants you to 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 take as many plays on offense because the more plays means the more opportunity for you know a mistake like a turnover to happen and so I think that's just kind of the approach that. Uh, you know, you're you're gonna want to see with with Utah is just being patient, that bend but don't break mentality. And so, um, you know, it, it it's going to be tough. It's going to take a total team effort, and I think the defensive line um, really has to bring it this year, just because of the advantage that USC has. You know, the skill player position. But I'm excited. I'm excited to see this secondary uh, because I do think that they have the athletes to keep up. Um, yeah. It's going to be tough, but. Um, you know, and each of these USC receivers are, are pretty unique in terms of what they bring to the field. Like Amon Ross St. Brown, like just the way that he runs routes, he's so technical. Uh, he's got the cleanest footwork, um, you know, for a receiver. Like he's just, if, it, if you're required to cut at a 90 degree angle, it's a 90 degree angle for him. Like he's so precise with just his technique, his route running. Um, he's going to be, and he's man, like, if there's ever a receiver that reminds me of Steve Smith, it's Amon Ross St. Brown. Just, you know, his stature, his athleticism, his competitiveness. Like, he's a guy that wants to be that that type of dude out there. And so that's going to be a tough matchup for, you know, Malone Mataele, for Clark. You know, whoever's matched up on him, that's going to be tough. But, um, you know, I think he's got to be the guy that – you know, if it were me, like he's at the top of my board is, is Amon Ross St. Brown. Like the rest of the receiving group, like Drake London has kind of come on this season. He's made some some really big plays for them. But I think for me, I put Amon Ross St. Brown at the top of the board for me. Tyler Tyler Vaughns is a, is another kid that has yeah. proven himself. I, I, I think that's fair to say. Um, he, he's been an issue for multiple teams over the course of his career. Drake London, I mean, I, I'm just kind of looking at, because, of course, I, I, I didn't recognize the name, I, I must admit, um, and for good reason. He, he wasn't much of a factor last year, although he did tally 39 receptions for about 550 yards, which is, yeah. which is pretty good. So uh, maybe yeah. I'm just not caught up on my homework. I mean, he stands at 6'5", 210. Yeah, he's so he's a two sport guy. He he's playing football and basketball at USC, and like the just the way he plays, man. Like it's he's got so much contact balance. Like just the way he's able to to fight off tackles and and you know spin off of them. Like his contact balance is crazy, and you know he's a guy that 
can create a lot of yards. What's interesting though. So I don't know, like when I watch Tyler Vaughn's, like I almost feel like I'm watching a, an NBA player in a one-on-one, like a James Harden type going one-on-one um, trying to get to the hoop. Like that's what I envision when I, or like the feel, the vibe that I get for Tyler Vaughn's and just his mentality and how he approaches being a receiver is he's trying to break your ankles and, and get to the hoop. Like that's how I, I look at Tyler Vaughn's and just hit the, his movement patterns. It reminds me a lot of a basketball player. Um, and so that's, you know, that's going to be tough um, just because like he's looking to, he's looking to, to score and, and he's so, slippery, Steve. He, he is. is really yeah. slippery. Like he's six slippery. two, one ninety. So he's not like a. He, he's pretty skinny, and and you can yeah. tell he's pretty skinny. He doesn't look like he's the biggest guy. Six two. He's got okay size, but I'm telling you, he just finds a way to uh, to get open. He kind of he kind of mm-hmm. really understands how to read defenses. He's obviously incredibly quick. He, he runs a lot yeah. of go routes, um, and he's been that way. He's kind of like this this kind of silent assassin almost for USC. There are other plays when you look at the wide receiving group, you go, okay, he's going to be an issue and he's going to be an issue. And, you know, they have like three or four guys that you can look at and go, just based on their size, that's yeah. an issue. But Tyler Vaughn's isn't one of them. It's just when you're out there, you know, he finds a way to have two, three touchdowns a game, it seems. Yeah. No, he's he's very good. He's very savvy with his route running. Kind of, you know, in a similar way, like a Keenan Allen type, just – you know, he's not the biggest guy. He's not the fastest guy, but he just knows, just has a savviness in his route running that uh, allows him to create a lot of separation. And then, you know, we talked about him already, but Brew McCoy, like this dude, uh, you know, when he's on the field, he's six foot four, six foot five, 220, 225 pounds. Like he's just a big guy, a big athlete, and he's tough. Like he's probably going to be the most difficult matchup um, for this Utah secondary just because they don't have you know, a, a defensive back of that size, that stature, like he's, that's, that's why this kid was rated a four, a five-star kid because, you know, he is a legit six foot four, 225 pounds and moves very, very well. A DK Metcalf type where he's just bigger and, and, and more athletic than the guy across from him. And it's a, it's a tough matchup. So, uh, but he's, he's, he's dealt with some injury, injury issues and that's kind of, you know they're bringing him along slowly, but um, but yeah, this it, this receiving core is going to be a difficult matchup. And in terms of you know where Utah has an advantage, I I do think like they're the defensive line. I think they've got to take advantage of this USC offensive line. That it's good. They're athletic. Um, you know they've created running lanes and they've provided time for Slovis to operate in the pocket. But I do think that. Uh, Utah's defensive line with the bodies and and the talent that they have in the group I think that that's an area where they can win but they ultimately they have to win there in the trenches and and so if you can do that um, you know that that definitely helps you if you can control the line of scrimmage with the minimal amount of bodies uh, that is is definitely helpful Um, and then one thing that I'm interested to see is just exactly how you know, Scally and, and the defensive staff, how they utilize Nephi Sewell. I think this was the game where you wanted Nephi Sewell to be prepared and ready to play linebacker specifically for this game. This is the reason why you move Sewell from safety to linebacker was for a matchup against a USC type where they want to spread you out with multiple receivers just because, you know, he is a safety playing linebacker. Like he's, he's not, if you've seen him, and you've seen his listed size at six foot two twenty five. Like you have a hard time putting that together. And just he's unless he's just like super thick boned. Like he's not two twenty five. And so he's he's still incredibly tough. But I think he brings a savviness and understanding of of coverage, which is going to benefit this Utah defense. And I, and why I think they've moved him to linebacker um, is is for you know, potential matchup with, with USC and, and the advantage that he could provide there. Yeah, it, it is. Um, I mean, it, it is quite remarkable just just looking at this USC team and, and where it's at compared to where USC teams of old have been. Uh, mm-hmm. Like like Marquis Step, for example, he's the tailback. He's the running back that has the most carries on the roster at the minute, he's got 26 carries to his name. He's averaging 
five yards a carry. He's actually got two touchdowns. So so they've they've thrown for three touchdowns. They've rushed for five, which is which is again very interesting because uh, twenty six attempts from Marquis Step to lead the team in rushing attempts. You compare that to ninety eight throwing attempts by their quarterback Keaton Slovis. I mean they are throwing the football at a remarkable clip. Um, and like it just it just it doesn't seem that long ago. I mean, my goodness, it was even when I was playing this this USC team uh, was was known for its diverse 50-50 run pass combo. Yeah. You know, where you've got a quarterback that's true pocket passer, weapons on the outside, but let's not let's not forget about the running back who's a five-star kid, pretend, you know, Reggie Bush, hopefully. Yeah, you know, it's like nowadays it's like, yeah, this is this is this is an air raid offense in every right. uh in every regard. Uh Graham yeah. Harrell, the the offensive coordinator, he's come in and, and just revolutionized, you know, given this USC offense some life. Um and I think oh, that's, yeah. I think that's fascinating to kind of to just get a numerical a picture in your in your head as to just the pass to run ratio to me it, it's it's mind boggling but when you have the weapons on the outside that USC has and will continue to have for the foreseeable future and a quarterback in Keenan Slovis who wasn't the high, highest of touted quarterbacks but boy has a has an absolute arm uh, and can spin it then look I look I don't blame him my goodness I mean yeah. I wish Utah had. I wish Utah had a handful of receivers. You know, it's essentially what 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 USC has every year is is basically three Brian Thompsons, three or four yeah. Brian Thompsons. You know, and um, and so it's fascinating. What a luxury, it man! It, it, <laughs> what, what a luxury! A luxury. No kidding. <laughs> so from a defensive side, we haven't really talked a ton about them. They've got they've got some players. Uh, three Polynesians actually uh, sit atop the list when it comes to total tackles. Uh, Marlon Tui Pelotu is a defensive lineman. He's got 16 to his name. Uh, and then a pair of safeties in Talanoa Hafunga. He's got 14 total tackles. He's also got the only interception uh, on the defense through two games. And then Isaiah Pola Mayo is also uh, another safety. He's got 12 total tackles to his name. So they dropped the safeties in the box a fair bit. Um Three Polynesians, though, atop the tackle lift. So mm-hmm. that's kind of cool to see. Uh, I guess they've kind of always had some sort of Polynesian yeah. pipeline. Um, yeah. Going back. It helps to- when you have players like Junior Seau and, and that kind of thing to, to rely on. But, yeah, they've they've got some good polys this year. And and it's, you know, Talanoa Hafunga and, and Isaiah Polamau, like those two are, are really good safeties. Um, that can do a lot. And and last year, I think they made life very, very difficult for, you know, a player like Britton Covey because, you know, Hafunga is extremely quick and he's able to defend a lot of area and, and you know, in short areas. Um, but he's he hits like a linebacker. And so, you know, he's an interesting guy. I think Utah will be able to run the ball on this USC defense, unlike, you know, their – I don't want to say that they struggled to run the ball last year because they put up a good amount of numbers, but I think that they can run on this USC defense with a little bit more ease um, just based on, you know, what we've seen so far against, you know, Arizona and against Arizona state. Um, I do think uh, Utah will be able to run the ball on these guys and, you know, how does that open things up? Are they, going to rely on their tight ends and on their receivers uh, and take advantage of, of opportunities through the air, you know, that, that, uh, that's going to be fun to see. Um, but I do think that Utah has an advantage in the trenches here uh, just because they've lost a guy like Jay Tufele. Um, they still, USC still has Drake Jackson, which, you know, he's going to be a tough matchup on the edge. Um, and so he's going to be a, a point of focus, uh, you know, in the game plan. But I do think that, you know, as long as as long as Utah has the right type of bodies, you know, on Saturday, um, <clears throat> I think that they'll be able to. I don't want to say have their way, but they'll be able to create opportunities and they'll be able to provide p- protection for the quarterback, and uh, they should be able to do some things and take advantage of this USC defense. 
Uh, there's no doubt it's going to be a test for Utah. Um, I believe the line right now, uh, last I looked, was about six points in favor of USC, as it should be, in my opinion. I think yeah, uh, USC I is probably the better team. Um, but Utah can win. U- Utah's good enough. Uh, they just haven't proven themselves. Um, and I'm hearing that defense is nowhere near where it needs to be. So uh, we will, yeah. I guess, hopefully find out Saturday at 8.30. Hey, I do want to quickly talk before we get out of here, uh, Steve. Um, I, and I don't think this has become official yet, but the Pac-12 is potentially going to allow non-conference teams to play conference teams. Uh, I haven't seen an email come through yet, which is why I don't think it's official. But uh, John Wilner is the one that first reported this out there in uh, at the San Jose Mercury News. Mm. And, of course, when that news broke, the, the entire state of Utah started screaming and shouting that, that BYU and Utah need to play one another, which is, I guess, we probably could have predicted. But um, I, I personally think they should. Uh, I don't know where you feel or sit uh, on the matter, but, but, but this is my reasoning. I think for BYU's sake, they're 8-0. Uh, and I've said this really the entire year. I guess I think BYU would actually beat Utah this year. Um and that would only help their resume when it comes to a New Year's Six or even potentially, believe it or not, making the playoffs. Um, and then for Utah's sake, I think you play the game because you need as many game reps as possible. You've already lost two games mm. in 2020, and you have an incredibly young team. And just you know, forget about the, the record, the streak of, of 9-0, and whatever it is, 10-0. and I can't even count at this point, but just play the game. Uh, because not only do you have a chance to uh, cripple a perfect season for BYU, which would be yeah. majestic, uh, oh, yeah. but you also it's an opportunity for your young players to get incredibly value, valuable reps. So I personally see um, positives for both teams. Yes. Playing the game. Where, where do you sit? I know there are a lot of people saying Utah shouldn't play it, blah, blah, blah. And then I actually saw something from BYU Sports Nation. Um, they, they said Utah doesn't want the smoke or something. Um, and look, I, I, I don't hate those guys. I, I, Spencer, Jerem, um, that's fine. If, if Jerem was the one saying it. I don't really know yeah. what sort of a name Jerem is in, is in the first place. But, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, I, I, I don't know why Utah wouldn't want the smoke. Like it, yeah. I just I don't understand. Maybe he has uh, maybe he has inside information. Where do you sit on the matter, Steve? Well, I sit on the matter first by letting me say this: Jerem Jordan is the ultimate fake tough guy. Like, shut up, man. Uh, he's the he's he's like the you're lucky. My little sisters hold me back, bro. He's that type of guy. He's you know he's the type that picks on little kids at the playground type guy. Like, shut up, dude. Like, whatever. Like. Enjoy your enjoy your time in the spotlight right now. Like he's Kelly Olenek, bro. Like just just the ultimate fake tough Steve, guy. Steve, you Anyways, have beef with him. I, just like what's the, why would you say that? Like why why would you say that? Um, I love it. Just, I've never anyways. actually heard you go in on something. <laughs> so that I'm like, this is beautiful. <laughs> anyways, <laughs> moving on here. I, you know, I think Utah should play the game. I think if they have an opportunity to schedule, assuming, you know, that uh, they, they lose an, a game between now and, and, and I think the next three weeks, right? Because BYU plays Northern Alabama and then they have two open weeks and then they have San Diego State. So there's an opportunity over the next two weeks. And I think if Utah, uh, if you're looking at that Arizona State game and and you know what you just went through and you lost two games and Arizona State went through an outbreak similar to Utah, I think you're probably looking at Arizona State. They've already canceled the Colorado game this week. Um, you're probably looking at that as being an open open weekend. And if you can schedule that game, like, yeah, I think Utah should should try to, to schedule it. I do I, – I'm with you. I think for BYU, it's, it's a great way to, um, to add validity – to what you've done, you know, even though like Utah is not going to be the typical Utah team just because of the two game cancellations and we just don't know much about them yet. Um, I think people still recognize Utah and understand where they're at as a program. And I think it's far better than anything that BYU has played currently to this point in the season. 
So I, I think if you're BYU, you're looking to play that game just to add some validity to your schedule. Um, but if you're Utah, like this is a hell of an opportunity to ruin uh, your rival's season, their dream season, in just a dream scenario type of a season where you've got a quarterback leading the way, Heisman candidate, top draft pick type candidate. This is a great opportunity for you to, you know, to ruin it, to <laughs> to crash the party, and uh, and also, you know, like you said, first and foremost is just the fact that you're getting your guys game reps, you're getting your guys experience, and that's going to be uh, so helpful. Just getting these guys as many uh, game opportunities as possible. I think is the of the utmost importance for this Utah team because the future is so bright at Utah over the next, you know, over the next few years where, you know, everything matters right now. And if you can get that game because another game was canceled, I think you do it. But I think obviously you would prefer to play your conference schedule. Uh, but if, if an opportunity opens up, like, yeah, you should, you should try to schedule that game. Yeah. I, I, I think this is, I think Utah fans need to understand that um, this Utah team may be better than what Steve and I think. Uh, they may be better than yeah. what you oh, think yeah. as well. They, they may well be, but but I can I can assure you something. Uh, they're not winning the national championship. They're not. Right. They're not making the playoff, and they're they're probably not even going to make a New Year's Six. In fact, I'll, I'll just go out and say they're not winning the Pac-12. If if they didn't win it last year, there's no way they're winning it this year. It's just not happening they could still be a good team they really could but they're not going to win trophies in the year 2020 so play BYU play Utah State put them both on the schedule you obviously can't play Weber because they're not playing until the spring but but you've got Utah State and you've got BYU in your backyard play them just play them who cares you like Utah could lose every game this year I really wouldn't care that much because the season is almost already over with two yeah. two games that you've already lost, um, and it's a young team, and they need the reps. Yeah. Speaking of reps, Steve, hey, wait, Subaru needs your reps. Head on down twelve oh seven South Main Street. I'm telling you, they're friendly. They like you. Parking lot full, ready for cars to be sold. Utah uh, has a lot of Subarus. I'm sure many of you listening uh, that live in this great state uh, have realized that by now. It was one of the first uh, like realizations, I guess, that I had when I came in 2012. I was like, my goodness, is this a, is this a state sponsored by Subaru? What is going on here? Left, right, and center, you find it. Well, for good reason. Nate Wade Subaru is one of the reasons you see so many Subarus. They're the oldest Subaru dealership in all of North America. They celebrated their 50th birthday within the past year. And um, and they're literally just a couple blocks from downtown Salt Lake City. So do yourself a favor. Do them a favor. Head on down. Tell them we sent you. And if you don't want to go, NateWaitSubaru.com is their website. Steve, man, I'm praying oh. for you, dog. I'm just hopeful that we get a game this Saturday. Oh, uh, man. Me too, see man. These guys that go and, and hit another helmet, another colored helmet. Just hit it hard. Please. Uh, Please. Give us I the smoke. Give us the smoke. Do you think Utah wins? Uh, no. <laughs> like, <laughs> obviously, like, obviously, look, like, it's the first game. And I think we've seen, like, first game with this, you know, with all the question marks on defense, it's going to be tough. Uh, but I think, I think the offense, and I think we've seen enough from USC's defense where I think the offense can, you know, potentially keep up. Um, but, you know, I – I think USC is going to win this game. That makes two of us. Uh, that's also Steve Bud. My name's Tom Hackett. We'll be back next week with hopefully, hopefully a two-episode week if Utah USC can play Saturday night ESPN at 8.30 p.m. Steve, you're the man. Be well. Much love. And uh, turn on a light, would you, you scary, scary animal? Sorry. People Sorry. aren't going to be able to see this, but... But Steve, we record this via Zoom. Steve is uh, in the pitch dark, just in his little cave, in his little football man sorry. cave. <laughs> You're freaking me out, dog. All right, much I'm love. Sorry. I'll speak to you next week. <laughs>
stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.